Welcome, Welcome to, to the Giorgio Says Podcast. If you love to keep up to date with all the latest pop culture news and celebrity gossip, then this is a podcast for you. Tune in for exclusive interviews, reality TV updates and recaps, and the juiciest gossip around. Now, now please welcome please your host, Giorgio Takanokis. Hey, George Gill. Hey, Makana. How are you? Pretty good. Thanks for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Listen, because um, it's been it's been on my mind since I watched it last last Sunday, but I, w- I really wanted to talk to you about it just because I know we've had a lot of discussions surrounding things like this, maybe not so much about the royal family, but I think when... Meghan Markle first started to kind of surface and was dating Prince Harry. I think there was some talks about there being some racism, um, possibly. But um, did you watch the Oprah interview? No. No, you didn't. Um, I wanted to, but obviously I've seen every snippet that exists, and I've had a gazillion conversations uh, about the interview since Monday. <laughs> It's crazy that, um, I don't know, the whole thing is just kind of wild to me that they were able to just kind of separate like that and then do this interview with someone like Oprah, which I think that was probably the best person for it, but I don't know. Like, there's such a mixed bag review. Like, this morning I saw on the Today Show, they did a poll that 48% of the Britons have had a negative opinion since the interview aired of Harry and Meghan. Mm. Of course. I mean, you know, they're embarrassed. Oh, totally. But now they're, like, saying that there's a lot of, like, anger from, like, William. Because he, he even said the other day they caught him when he was leaving somewhere and they basically asked him about it and he said we're not we're not racist you know (laughs) the thing that drives me nuts the most about racism anywhere is how people who are and have been accused of being racist treat the word it's like look to be a racist is awful. However, it's not the end of the world because it is a way of life. So if someone accuses you of being racist, what I would ask is that you not react on the defense right away, but I would ask that you think about why the person or people could potentially be accusing you of being a racist. Like, I'm so sick and tired of people immediately saying, I'm not, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you represent the country and the family who created it. Right, yeah. Like, it is the motherland of the colonizer. There's no way on God's green earth that you could consciously or subconsciously 
not be racist. It's kind of embedded in you in a way. Not even in a way. Like, I was having this conversation earlier with a client and I was just like, if I am actively doing a lot of unlearning because of my public education, um, my United or American public education, and I'm black and I'm super cultured, quote unquote, um, and, you know, was born and raised around West African culture, uh, Caribbean culture, etc., and also, you know, raised around kids who went to like African centered schools. Mm-hmm. And it takes me to question why I always feel like I got to hurry up and cross the street with a white person when the light is getting ready to change. Because if I try to do it by myself, that I may be run over or start to finally question like, hey, Makanda, why do you always move to the side of the sidewalk to let white people pass? It's like if those things are subconscious and they finally start to bubble up for me to notice them on a, on a, a conscious level and I'm a black person and I'm recognizing that, you know, because of this society and how it is racist and how it is um, and how, you know, um, systemic racism exists to the point where I am moving to the side to let white people pass and I am brushing to cross the street with white people and how you know in certain uh, job situations I didn't feel like I could assert myself it's like if I'm black and I'm I am exhibiting those behaviors you bet your bottom dollar that if you're white you are, are assuming that I should move to the side so that you can cross. Or, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, because we receive the same education. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and that's just talking about education. We're not talking about voting rights. We're not talking about redlining. We're not talking about why, you know, in 2030, you know, it's anticipated that, you know, the uh, black wealth will be zero. You know, like, we're not even talking about all of that stuff. So, you know, again... It's it's almost impossible for you to be white and, and not be racist anywhere in this world because this world is is colonizing continues to be and you know governments that run this world continue to implement certain laws and legislation to continue to favor the status quo which happens to look a certain way which happens to reflect the monarchy. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it, it's it's just tiring. It's just like, bro, if somebody call you a racist, just say okay. And then make the decision. You gonna work to not be or you gonna work to continue to be? I think that's the important part that people deflect from is that they hear the word and then they immediately, to your point, are just defensive and they, you know, there's there's just then they start pointing out all these things you know like oh i have well i work with a black person or i have a f- black friend or that's impossible not you know that behavior is racist that mentality that you have is racist instead of trying to say okay well how what what about it what like help you know what i mean like make it more of a conversation of like 
learning. And this is why I also don't agree with canceling people because yeah. I feel like you're, you're cutting them off at the knees and saying that people aren't allowed to make a mistake and grow from it. And I mean that authentically. I don't mean that just because we're going to put out a statement and make, make our brand look better. But I think over the last year, people are really, I wouldn't say hypersensitive. I think they're just more aware because people didn't have a choice. People were literally at home and they had two options. They could sit on social media all day or they could go read and look into things that they probably didn't care to look into before. You know what I mean? So now it's becoming more and more of a conversation around, you know, companies, governments, you know, politicians, you know, everyone's just, I believe in accountability. I don't believe in just saying, okay, well, screw you. You're done forever. Like you don't get to come back into anything. Um, but with this situation, I think with like the Royal family, I think the thing that I found that was really kind of crazy was that there was so much similarity between what Megan was talking about and what Princess Diana talked about in that interview in 1995. Mm -hmm. And it was just wild to me because then it made more sense when Prince Harry said, I saw history repeating itself. (laughs) And I can imagine from his point... You know, that was probably angering to to have to sit there and see it because I think, you know, it it is different. You know, when when you think... If you're a white person... And let's say you come into contact and you be, you get into a relationship with someone that is, you know, biracial or black or, you know, brown, you, you are going to start to see things from their lens that you didn't pick up on before. Sure. Because you, you're with them all the time. So how could you not? Like, I'll never forget, um, there was this story about this man and his wife and if I'm not mistaken I think they had adopted a black daughter and something happened where it's like something really simple like they saw a black guy on the street or something and immediately the white father was just like oh you know like that man could potentially be dangerous. And I don't know what happened for him, but he had an aha moment where he realized like, oh shoot, that was mad racist of me, you know? But prior to that, in his mind, he wasn't a racist because he had adopted a black daughter, you know? Um, And I think, you know, just to your point, it's like, you know, when you are in close proximity to a person of color, and, you know, in some cases, a black person, because I think it's important to, to make a distinction between people of color and black people, because we are not the same and the struggles are different. Absolutely. Um, it's important, you know, that people recognize that just because you marry or you adopt doesn't automatically mean that you aren't racist or, or can't be. You know what I mean? Like, no, you very well could still be and can still have those biases, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and sometimes, you know, people can live their whole entire lives, you know, raising biracial children, um, being in interracial relationships, et cetera, or raising, you know, children who are a completely different race. Um, 
and never have to deal with, you know, their racism or, you know, their prejudices or their biases. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's, what am I trying to say? It's tricky. (laughs) No, it's very, that's why I'm saying it's not as simple as just saying, okay, you're racist, you're done. It, it's it's so it all has its own complexities. Like I think everyone naturally, to your earlier point, it, it's it's built into the subconscious whether you like it or not. If you right. are white or something outlandish like that, where you want that type of divide, but you do want divide. You just do it subconsciously, and you don't. You're not. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's almost yeah. like when you go, when you when you go and seek out like um, a neighborhood, you're looking for a white person before you decide this is going to grow. Right. You know right. what I mean? Like, I I'll see a white woman with a stroller. I can move here yes. and stick it out. As a matter of fact, it's so funny. Years and years ago, so this had to have been like in 2008, 2009. At the time, I was living in um, Northwest D.C., but I was living um, in an area that, uh, you know, I guess it was being gentrified, but it was very slow. Um, And it's funny because I had started to see white people jogging. And, of course, you know, for me, and white people pushing baby strollers, and I was like, for me, you know, that's a, a clear sign and indication, you know, that, you know, gentrification is happening. And so it's funny, I showed up to work, and at the time I was um, working at the body shop, coincidentally, which is what well, was a British company um, started by a, a British woman. And um, there was some white woman that came in, and we started talking about D.C., and they were like, where do you live? And I was just like, oh, I live you know, in this area, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, oh, you know, is it nice? And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, and <laughs> I just blurted it out before I even thought about it. I was like, yeah, well, you know, you, you start seeing, you know, white folks jogging and pushing baby strollers. So, you know, guess the neighborhood is turning around. And oh, yeah. for like a, a hot second, they were stunned. They were shocked that I said it. And I was, I was like, oh, shoot, you know, like, I didn't mean to say that out loud. You know, like, I hope they don't write a complaint. Yeah. They laughed and they laughed yeah. and they were like, "Well, yeah, you know, I guess." And it's funny because I think that everybody realized at that moment, like sometimes what people do is they know but they don't discuss it because, again, acknowledging it out loud makes it real, even though it's real, right? Yeah. Um, but it was almost like they had to acknowledge that I was completely aware of gentrification and the ramifications that it has for, you know, folks who look like me in an area that may or may not be able to afford to continue to live there once it's completely gentrified, right? Correct. And they had to acknowledge, you know, like what gentrifier behavior looks like. You know, it's just like, well, yeah, when you start to see us jogging and pushing baby strollers, it does mean that we're coming. And nine times out of ten, you know, gentrification doesn't mean, you know, like this happy utopia where, you know, it's a diverse neighborhood and everyone's happy to be there. Gentrification typically means that one group that was already there is being pushed out by the, the group that's coming in. And oftentimes the group that's coming in is white. Most of the time the group that's being pushed out is a group of color. You know, it could be Asian, it could be, you know, from the Latinx community, it could be black, et cetera. You know, but typically it's violent, it's negative, um, and it's predatory. 
I mean, it's it's just it, to me, it's it's it reeks of just saying like, hey, I know we threw you guys here and forced you to stay here, but we've run out of room, and so we want to kind of push you guys out nicely. Yeah, right. You know, skedaddle now. Like, go find another hole. It's just right. it, it. But then it and then it. You know to. It's also to say that the people that like that move in are corporate. It's it's corporations. I mean, you're talking about investors that come in and are able to buy multiple, you know, buildings and start buying up small businesses. And you know, that's where you start to see the issue. Is like you don't see any. There's just no more authenticity. There's no more like landscape for that because it's all just mm-hmm. kind of like populated with like you know CVS and Target. And don't get me wrong, it's right. convenient. Absolutely, it's convenient. But when you think back on it, you're like, well, how many small businesses died because of this or didn't have a chance because of it? You know what I mean? It's like no one mm-hmm. even had the opportunity. So I guess that's the point. It's like, you know, and then going back to like this interview with Megan, you know, she, it, to not have a title for your son and no protection, I mean, I don't. That to me is just, you know, let's keep it funky. I mean, part of the reason why, you know, I would assume that you marry a royal is because you would assume that your children, you know, would would reap all of the benefits of, of, of being married to a royal. So to not get any of those titles is it's kind of like, well, let me get this straight. You know, I got a I, I gave away all of my freedoms. I also gave away my privilege because you know, let's not skip over this major important thing that I think maybe people are talking about, but not as much as they should. You know, Megan was able to live a life of a major privilege here, mainly because of colorism, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like colorism, while it exists everywhere, you know, that was colonized because there were all um, there were hierarchies set up amongst these colonized nations where you know the folks who were uh, the closest proximity to whiteness were put at the top of the hierarchy and then everybody else, you know, was in a pecking order, uh, you know, to, to the lowest person, right? Um, you know, so Megan, I mean, for all intents and purposes, like if her hair is blown out and it's straight, you know, she's walking down the street, you may look at her and, and you know, without a second glance, may think that she's a white person. So, you know, I think that for a lot of her life, you know, she didn't necessarily have to be like, a quote-unquote strong black woman because nobody really looked at her, you know, like she was a black woman. I think that, you know, she was able to live, um, you know, as a lighter-skinned person of color, you know, which afforded her, you know, different privileges. And I think it also allowed her to have a somewhat successful career as an actress, right? And so, you know, she goes from that to the complete and total opposite because in the motherland of colonization, you know, they're just like, yeah, I mean, that colorism stuff is cute, but in our book, you black because you're not white. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so she gave she gave up that privilege, right? She gave up the privilege to be ambiguous, right? Like, or that, that privilege of being ambiguous, you know? Like, we don't know what she is. She's not quite black. You know, she doesn't have dark skin. So, you know, let her let her go on and do what she's doing, you know, like the old, old phrase that old folks used to say, it's just like, you know, uh, if you white, you are right. If you brown, stick around. And if you black, stay back. 
you know, she could fit in a brown category, she could fit in a white category over here, right? Mm-hmm. But then she moves over there, and it's just like, yeah, the, those first two categories, they don't fit. You're black, you know, so we're going to treat you like that. So it's like she gives up the privilege of being an ambiguous person of color. You know, she gives up the privilege of being free and being able to dictate how she wants to move in her life. Um, you know what I mean? And she trades that, you know, to be a royal or to be married to a royal. Um, but she also, in that life, you know, is dictated to, you know, every move. You know, she's not able to, I mean, even when a girl says she needed therapy, they were just like, no. You know, so she wasn't even able to, to do that, you know, for herself, you know, when she was struggling with depression. Um, you know, she wasn't able to um decide like what she was going to do on a day-to-day basis um i think you know like her clothes were chosen for her and it's like you know everything she did was scrutinized you know to uh, ridiculous levels and so yeah you know like here she is thinking you know i'm gonna have this fairy tale wedding and i get to you know fulfill the fantasy of you know the, the the princess and all of that only to basically be told like nah those things don't apply to you because you're black And that's the part that I think came out strongly in the interview that really pissed everyone off is that Mm -hmm. they, and this is not just with her. I feel like this goes for anybody that is at a place where, and and let's be, and this is the way I look at it. Like people are like, oh, they want to be private. They want to be separated from the royal family and they want their privacy. So why are they doing this interview? Well, let's get one thing straight. They're still public figures. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when and, and and as far as I know, they have not ever come out in the press and said anything throughout this whole ordeal with all that crap that they were spilling out up until this point where the Oprah interview was going to come on. They were they were throwing out claims that she was bullying people at at the palace and sending emails at five a.m. It's like give me a break. Like, this is the type of stuff that she's had to deal with. And finally, they they need to set the record straight. So how else are they supposed to do that? And then now, you know, it's it's this whole thing of like, well, you know, she's... She said all this, but they won't say who's who questioned the the complexion, how dark mm-hmm. the baby was going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and that to me is nuts because I don't know. Again, it's one of two is, people. That part, and also, I think white folks have benefited from you know pretending to not know history or being selective in what history they choose to remember because you know the first uh, black royal princess is a Google away, you know. So this is not something that's new, you know, like. Charlotte of Mecklenburg Straylitz, you know, like you Google her and she pops up and, you know, uh, she's a daughter of a Moor, apparently. Um, and apparently uh, the current Queen Elizabeth is a descendant of hers, you know, and if you look at her, she has very African features, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just, I'm like, okay, so I'm sure that her her life wasn't peaches and cream way back then in 1744 um but this whole thing is it it's not new right so why are we treating it like i'm just like well did y'all ask charlotte when she was reproducing babies like well how how dark you think your baby's gonna be you know what i mean it's just i, I just i don't know 
It, I think it literally comes down to whitewashing. It's like, right. you know what I mean? Like we got it. Like we know that there's some black in the lineage, but we've done a really good job at like washing it out. It's like, but you haven't, you know, because as much as folks love to whitewash history, history is history. But that's the point, right? No one wants to hear, and this this goes back to the whole thing. It's like when someone is ready to speak on their traumas, the receiver is never ready to accept it and listen. They're only listening to get defensive, and so then it turns back on them. It's very narcissistic, really, if you think about it. It's like someone's brave enough to open up about saying that they were suicidal, and that they said that and they were still told, no, that's not good for the brand. Even though we have the resources, it's not like it wasn't readily available. Right. But then yeah. on the flip side, it's like, oh, and sorry. It's, kept quiet. it's like, oh, sorry, you got so depressed being a princess in your big castle. Well, okay, when you're not allowed to do anything unless it's scheduled or approved or it's within line of what they want you to do then that's not the same fairy tale that everyone thinks it is right right and it's also not the same fairy tale uh you know that kate was able to live out although i'm sure many would argue that she probably isn't living a fairy tale life either no she looks miserable and i think the reality is is that and this, I, I, this is alleged, but recently there's been some reports saying that the the reason why Megan was thrown out as you know the you know the scandal in every press article was to cover up for the fact that William was having an affair with Kate's really good friend, and I don't know her name, so. Um, but it makes a lot of sense as to why she was used as a scapegoat in a lot of ways because it, it was it was because they controlled they pre, they control the press they control I all would, of it yeah. and i mean it's the same as here you know like whenever um you know we're focused on something big or something pops out of nowhere you know like are you something even as trivial as the gorilla glue girl you know it's just like okay this girl comes out of nowhere and uses Gorilla Glue to glue her hair down. What, what's really going on? You know, because that's a major distraction. And it was successful in distracting us for a good two to three weeks, right? Um, so, you know, like you said, like the media um, is, you know, well prepared to introduce distractions when they're really trying to hide something that's much bigger and should be, I guess, you know, what people are focused on, even though what William does and what Kate, like, that's also not really our business. No, and that's the point. It's like, the, the, what happens in people's marriages is, I feel, is not up for a headline. Right. Because right. I think that should be the limit. But unfortunately, and we're all guilty of it, like, of course I'm going to click. But to think like what if that was you know like it, just to be put in a situation where the spotlight is on you at such a microscopic level it's no longer she's not blending in in LA as an actress where it's like right she's she's well known enough she makes a good check but she's she's not being stampeded or stampeded rather with you know the paparazzi or people just right. creating headlines for the sake of it whereas now she's in a in a spot where they're hosting 
all the press for holiday parties at the, at the palace. So it's like this is this is a contractual agreement, if you will. And mm-hmm. it seems like it is just one phone call to say, don't even dare write about this. Ever. I don't care what you have. You know what I mean? It's as simple as that. And I think that's what she was kind of getting at. It's like, there was just zero protection for me and my child. So, but I still had to fulfill all my duties. And so for her, that's on a bigger scale. You're talking about your child being Mm -hmm. literally the only child in the palace that's not getting protection, is not getting a title, and you want me to still fulfill all these duties. Meanwhile, that's going to build tension and resentment in some way, shape, or form. And of course, how do you expect people to not feel that way? So it's just strange to me that people can't there's just a lack of empathy and compassion for someone who had a different path in life or has different issues and oppressions and that's the part that really I think I struggle with with people blaming the vi- blaming the victim and then saying they're victimizing themselves mm-hmm. and turning around and saying how dare you say that the, the royal family is racist you're ruining a monarchy and it's like mm-hmm. Well, if that's if that's going to ruin the monarchy, then what about Prince? You know, Prince Andrew and the Epstein situation. That's not been right. talked about. That's right. not even right. in the headline. I mean, but that's the point. It's like that's that's how blatant it is, and I think that's probably that would be infuriating to anybody. And you know, Megan, Megan could have really done a number for them. She could have really modernized them and made them even more. You know what I mean? She could have helped because she. But you know what. That goes to show you that they truly are racist, right? Because if they were more concerned about money, more concerned about um, progression, then they would have used Meghan Markle as an opportunity to do all of the things that you just said, right? Because... People did like her. People were very curious and interested in who she was and what she was about and what she could potentially do. Um, You know, people were invested in that relationship, invested in, you know, the kids. Um, You know, people, I think, like the fact that, you know, she came from the States and was an actress. You know, like even myself, like I was in here watching a Hallmark movie and I was just like, oh, sure, that's Meghan Markle. Now, normally I would have turned the channel, but I decided to watch it, you know, because of who she was or who she is, right? And so, you know, from a monetary standpoint, from a branding standpoint, because, you know, the monarchy is a brand, you know, it would have made a ton of sense for her, for them to go along and get along, right? Because that, I think, would have strengthened the monarchy to, you know, today's society, you know, especially like, you know, millennials and, you know, younger generations to come, um, you know, to actually believe that it is necessary, you know, but I think if anything, you know, what this has done is make them think even more so that it is unnecessary, you know, and this is like, why, why are we paying these people anyway? You know what I mean? And imagine like the black Brits, you know, or just the, the, you know, the other folks of color that live there. It's just like, we knew this is how y'all felt, but to know this is really how y'all feel, you know, just like, well, after then, you know, like what purpose do y'all serve anyway? Well, it's almost like, you know, it's your fault for asking the question. I wasn't going to say it, but you guys asked, so I'm not going to lie. And it's just like, well, okay, that, that in and of itself is just like, it's such a, like, I don't know. 
it's, that's the part that really irks me about people in general. It's just like, how can you just sit there and be so like cold and self-absorbed in your own bubble and not care to think about what's going on with the person next to you? You know, like and in, in understanding that even if you don't, and this is the problem I think that most people have because people always come from their point of view with these situations. So they'll look mm-hmm. at her story and they'll say, oh, that's impossible because I wouldn't do that. I mean, that would be ridiculous. And they'll throw it out there as if it's a conspiracy theory of some sort. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then they make the person look absolutely insane, make them feel insane. And then they start questioning themselves. And that's the part mm-hmm. that really is so it's, it's such a tragedy because it's like me- mental health is, is a thing. And that's the other point of all this is that, you know, people don't talk about this stuff. People don't really understand what trauma does to people. And that's the thing about trauma. It can come out at any point in your life. You just need one thing to shake the shelves and it's all coming down. And if you don't deal with it, you will end up having to like deal with it in other parts of your life, I guess. But to like turn around and like pretend like things are just not broken is just, I don't know. That part I don't understand. How do you grow if you're not doing that? Again, that goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation. You know, it's the accountability part. Nobody wants to take Prince Harry and Meghan Markle said, we out of here, you know, because they made her life a living hell. And, you know, they thought that if they stayed that nine times out of 10, history would repeat itself. You know, it's just nobody wants to take accountability, you know, for their actions. Nobody wants to admit that their behavior, their actions, their culture, um, their history is what caused Meghan Markle's trauma or what is causing Meghan Markle's trauma. Nobody wants to admit that, right? Because if you admit that and if you take accountability for it, it then means that you have to change the behavior. And to be honest with you, Georgia, I honestly think that that is too much of an ask. You know, it's the same, it's the same as here, you know, like for me to ask, you know, uh, a person of privilege who's able to benefit because, you know, I suffer, you know, to, to try to see my side of things. I think it is too much. It is too much of an ask. It is, you know, it's it's asking somebody to give up a lot. Well, it's basically saying I have to give up my whole life and and mm-hmm. some aspects because you're you you have to you have to go back and and dismantle every way of thinking, every way of working, if you will, because mm-hmm. it, it's not just in, it's not words. It's just, it's actions. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's energy, it's vibes. Like, so whenever they do see a black person that has nice things, they're like, the first question is, how did they get that? Mm-hmm. How does she get that car? Right. Because what's inferred is that she shouldn't have it. Right, it's weird, right? It's like seeing the maid drive a Bentley. Mm-hmm. Why do you have a Bentley, ma'am? Mm-hmm. That's where you have to untrain your thought process. You have to unlearn. You right. have, exactly, and that's the hardest part. Is yeah, and you know, here's the thing: <sighs> critical thinking is dead. You know, we love being sheep. 
you know, we love, uh, you know, choosing leaders that basically are able to just dictate to us how we live. And typically, for the most part, we like to accept it. Accept it. I think, you know, the pandemic has has kind of shaken some things up. But, you know, for the most part, we still love groupthink. We still love, you know, to not have to critically think about anything. And we like to just shrug our shoulders and just kind of say, oh, well, it is what it is, right? Um, so with that being said, you got a lot of people who do not want to do the work. People now are coming out and trying to be more vocal about their stance on things. And I don't mind people having a difference of opinion as long as it comes from... If you if you come to me and you have an opinion and you've looked at both sides with empathy and you still come to the same conclusion, then I'm not going to argue with you. But the chances of that happening are slim to none. No one ever wants to look at the other side. No. So, like, even with this Meghan Markle I mean, situation, nobody wants to dig deeper. Nobody wants to, you know, critically think about anything either. You know, it's just like people want to be fed information and then they want to either believe the information or not believe the information and call it a day. Nobody wants to Google. Nobody wants to research. You know, I think one of the biggest travesties, you know, in, in modern times is that everybody's walking around with a smartphone but too stupid to realize how smart the phone is and how to use the phone to help them become less stupid. Well, yeah, it's like, why did you pay $1,000 for that thing if you're just going to just use it to just go online and not look at anything, like, real? Or, like, it's supposed to make your life easier so that you can advance quicker. You can get information out much faster than you could have even, even 10 years ago when we did have cell phones. It could not do... We did not have what the app. What they do now? Mm-hmm. We did not have those app. Now there's like an app for everything. Everything. So yes. there's really no reason for anybody to say, "Well, I don't have the, you know, the resources to understand." Well, you do. I was looking at um, an article when I was just googling, like preparing for this conversation, and um, I think it might have been uh, CNN that had done this whole story around um, Hollywood and colorism, right? And how colorism plays a major role, you know, in like who gets to who gets to work and who doesn't or who has an easier time working and who doesn't, right? So you look at both of these women, you know, both of them have had, you know, acting careers um, and, you know, maybe you could argue that, you know, they were or are more successful than, you know, their darker skin uh, counterparts because of the way that they look, right? So that's, you know, one similarity. Um, so, but I think, again, you know, it all boils down to survival. You know, it's just like you use what you got to give what you want. You know, it's just like, all right, well, I know that, you know, looking a certain way is going to help me get you know, certain roles. I know looking a certain way may help me be able to date certain people. Um, why does that matter? Because it may be able to allow you to date certain people who who are part of a certain tax bracket. And in dating those people who are part of that tax bracket, maybe, you know, they believe, you know, certain things politically. And depending on how close you plan to get to them, um, you may have to also believe those things, right? Or pretend to believe those things. Listen, I'm, I've taken up a lot more of your time than we agreed on, so I appreciate you. But um, I really thank you for coming on um, and talking with me about this. And I think we need to have you on as a regular guest because we always have amazing conversations around this stuff. And I think the purpose behind me wanting to do this podcast was to have different types of conversations 
because I think, you know, everyone likes to just talk about the, the points that they like to make, but I think you're very good at playing devil's advocate and seeing the other side. And so I'm the same way. So I like, I like that we can, you know, vibe off of that. And we also have shared a lot of, you know, the same work, um, history. We both were in the beauty community. So we both have a lot of things to say about that and how it's evolved. And I'm super excited for your, your beauty and tech venture. And I know you'll get it patented because I mean, I'm sure you've been working on it for quite a while. So, um, but where can people book an appointment with you if they want to get their makeup done? Um, you can visit my Instagram page at Makana Murphy. Uh, that is my Instagram. Um, you can also send me an email at makeupinblackandwhite.com. Um, and once I get my website up and running again, uh, you can go to uh, makeupinblackandwhite.com. Are you going to be redoing the website? Yes. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go, but I really appreciate you coming on. We're going to have to do this again very soon. And Most definitely. Yeah. Talk about like a lighter, more fun. Yes. Fun I mean, topic. and just so everyone knows, this is not how every episode is, but this was something that this, this will come up because this is part of life. But I really appreciate it. Next time when you come on, we're going to talk about like beauty and fragrance and Ooh, yes. all of that, because I know you have a page that's dedicated to fragrance, but we're going to do that next time because I, I want to just have like a whole session on fragrance because I think fragrance is such a like big thing now people mm-hmm. are talking about it more and, and it's it's becoming it is actually moving a lot more into the digital space which I'm sure you are well aware of but we'll definitely talk, talk about that next time but anyways thank awesome. you so much Makana and I will talk to you very soon alright okay. bye Giorgio bye Makana Thanks for listening, guys and gals. This was Giorgio Says. Like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And for all the latest updates, go follow Giorgio Says on Instagram. See you next time. 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 time.